You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. You probably know Progressive Insurance for insuring your home and auto. You may know Flo and Dr. Rick. But what you may not know is that Progressive helps employees support over 3,800 charitable organizations annually because we're committed to helping our employees, and our employees are committed to helping others. Anyway, we just wanted to share. We were a little too proud of it to keep it to ourselves. And if you already knew all of this about us, you've either heard this radio spot before or just randomly know a lot about Progressive. Find out more about how we're dedicated to our customers and communities at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates based on data from May 2020 through April 2021. I'm Adam Weinrib. And I'm Thomas Carinante. We're bringing you the most complete and hilarious Yanks chat you'll find anywhere. This is the Yanks Go Yard podcast, courtesy of Fansided. Welcome to another episode of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to leave us those five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, and you can find us on Spotify as well. Drop a message with your five-star reviews. Like we said, we are taking mailbag questions. We want to hear from you. We want to hear your personal memories of Yankee Stadium and watching the Yanks. We got some good ones in our reviews this week, and we'll be using those in a future episode of the pod. So keep dropping those. Uh, but in the meantime, Thomas, uh, a little different landscape this week than the last time we talked. Yep. Ass backwards, Tampa. Um, thankfully, we don't have to go back there until 2021. But bad weekend all around, uh, especially after that weird, weird series with Philadelphia where we were supposed to have two home games. One gets postponed. Then we go to Philadelphia for three road games, but one of them is home for us. Two of the uh, four seventh inning games over the course of this five day stretch. Glad it's over. I don't know about you. Well, yeah, the, the seventh inning games show how broken my brain is at this point because obviously I've lived 29 years of life without having seven inning baseball games. And now the day after the seven inning doubleheaders, I'm like, this is a nine inning one. Are you kidding me? So long. Like I hate, I hate how quickly my brain adjusted to the seventh inning doubleheaders. And brings how, me back to middle school, dude. Yeah. Playing, uh, seventh inning games and uh, just being done with like seventh inning. You were just done. Top of the seventh. You're like, can't wait to get out of here. And now I it's, enjoyed it's not just, the worst. What's the worst part of a baseball game when you're like least trustworthy relievers have to come in in the sixth inning. Now they don't have to do that in these seven inning games. It feels like a cheat code. I mean, the fact that two of our win. I mean, we, we went two and five this week and two, both of our wins were seven inning games. 
Yeah. Uh, it kind of feels like a cheat code, but then again, they count it's 2020 not complaining, but yeah, I mean, same old, you, you have that weird Philadelphia series. You can kind of discount it. It's the first series of the year. The Yanks didn't look perfect. They dropped two, but they come back from a large deficit in the Jordan Montgomery game and Voight almost homers to win the game. And he doesn't, they get absolutely blasted in the first game, of the doubleheader, but that's Jay Happ. And you know, that's Nick Nelson having to take a bullet for the team. And they also almost come back and win that if not for Angel Hernandez doing the Angel Hernandez show. So there's not a lot to dislike. I mean, you know, nobody likes to lose, but there's not really a lot on the ledger to dislike until they go to Tampa. And then they play an exact clone of every Tampa series they've played for the past at least six years, but probably more like 15 years. Pitchers who you, I mean, pitchers you've never seen before, absolutely shutting you down. You, you go into that series with matchups. You're seeing Blake Snell. You're seeing Tyler Glass now. You're seeing Charlie Morton, who's owned the Yankees for like four years. And you're like, three of these are going to be tough to win. That's your honest assessment is it's going to be hard to win three of these games. Hopefully you take one of those three and then take the Cole game or Cole face glass now. But hopefully you take the one game started by a non-ace and you split it. And then, of course, Snell's not very good. He only throws a couple innings. Glass now is horrible. He's winning that game. Charlie Morton's bad. He comes out after the second with an injury. Tanaka threw a shutout, Paxton threw six shutout, and they still can only get one game because – Douglas Fairbanks and the son of Sam Killer combined to throw seven shutout with two hits and 10 Ks despite having 12 ERAs. I mean, I, I feel like I'm, I think we just watched a road series from 2017 and the no fans didn't make any difference in the ambiance. It felt like any Tampa game I've ever seen. Yeah, it's the same old stuff and everything was go, just going to Tampa. Everything's broken. We lose two games where they use six pitchers. Like, where does that happen? On top of that, uh, we got good-ass backwards stuff in Tanaka and Paxton giving us strong outings. Paxton delivering an 11K game and then kind of the wheels coming off. But everyone's complaining about Boone keeping him in for too long. Keep the guy in. I'm not against it. Keep him in. He had two outings that were super short. He had no confidence under his belt. Like, let him see if he could finish the inning, see what he could do. Unfortunately, the homer comes, whatever, like – the, the lineup has to hit at some point, and they didn't. They, they in totality, batted 231 uh, with 12 RBIs. I know they scored more runs than that, but that was because the Rays had some misfortunes in the field. 17 walks, not bad throughout the course of the series, but, again, everything kind of going against the grain. The Yankees can't really. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest-drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. Hit in this series, Stanton gets injured. The bullpen comes back down to earth with Green, Ottavino, and Britton all giving up their first runs of the season in bizarre fashion. Britton blowing the save, uh, or yeah, that's a blown save, right? Nah, I mean, Britton uh, taking the loss, yeah, it takes the takes the L. Um, oh, yeah, no, it was tied at that point. Sorry, I forgot it was th- three nothing. We got we got three of those runs early, and then um. The wheels came off a little bit for Paxson, and then we couldn't. And then we let. How many runners did we leave on? Leaving runners on. That was the other thing. Just not cashing in on opportunities that we 
probably would have in the first, you know, two weeks of the season. Um, but here we are, Tampa, nothing is ever right here. We keep losing at the drop. I mean, the place just sucks. You drive past it in Florida and you're like, that is a place where people play professional sports. Like the thing should just fall into the ocean and then something else should be built probably in Montreal. It looks like the Astrodome now, like the Astrodome after 20 years of disrepair and teams not inhabiting it, looks a lot like Tropicana Field in its supposed prime, where there are 162 Major League Baseball games, you know, slated on the schedule. You know, obviously only half of those at the Trop, but they, they slate a full schedule at a place that looks like a busted out cheerleading auditorium. <laughs> uh, you just, you know, you, I, you know 100% for a fact. That at some point, if Tampa comes to New York six more times, we don't go there again. Whoever made the schedule, thank you so much. Honestly, you know, usually I complain about the schedule, rightfully so. But we go to Boston once, we go to Tampa once, they come to us twice, and then we go to Buffalo to play Toronto more than you know those teams come here. That's our like scary road series. And the Sky Dome's kind of a house of horrors for us now, too. And we are the Rogers Center. What am I stuck in 1998? Mm-hmm. But now we don't have to go there. We have to go to Buffalo. But I 100% on, hand on my heart guarantee you that at some point when Tampa comes to New York, there will be the exact same game as what we just watched. Uh, Tampa will pull their starter in the second or third. We'll be facing an anonymous parade of relievers. It'll be 2-2 in the bottom of the eighth. And Luke Voigt will hit a three-run homer. That's what will happen. Like we will cash in on the exact opportunities that we didn't cash in on earlier because we're home. Does it make sense? No, it absolutely doesn't. But at Yankee Stadium, do I need to worry about a pop-up hitting a catwalk ring at any point? No, I absolutely don't need to worry about that. A high pop-up is going to see nothing but sky. Yeah, more stupidity to judge his home run that game hits the hits the ceiling. It's like, dude, come on. Like even the home runs can't get out clean in that stupid place. Uh, but overall, like – you just can't drop three in this when Snell, Glasnow, and Morton go a combined eight and two-thirds innings. Like, those are your three best pitchers who you would think two of them are going to shut you with it. I thought right off the bat, Morton and Glasnow were going to shut us down. Um, but uh, thankfully, we had Cole going in one of those games, even though he didn't have a good outing at all. But you, it's I know the Rays' bullpen is good. I know they have, you know... Uh, a, all these, you know, misfit toys that uh, Kevin Cash likes to deploy. He's been doing so for the past couple of years. But, I mean, it's just a bad look for the lineup, especially in the first game when you when you get two hits. And one of them comes from uh, LeMayhew, the other one from Talkman. The top and the bottom of the lineup, the, re- the middle of the lineup just disappears. Um, so, I mean, glad to not be going there again and really hoping that, you know, this day off helps us propel into this next slate of games that we have, which is very advantageous. Uh, we got the Braves for two games. Well, off today, got the Braves for two games in New York from August 11th to the 23rd. You gotta, gotta capitalize here playing the Braves, Red Sox, Rays again, Mets. Then we have a day off on the 27th. Um, or I'm sorry, the 24th, go to Atlanta for two games, then day off on the 27th, coming back to New York for six more games. So, the schedule, like you said, lines up very well for these guys. This is the time to get it done. Um, I have full confidence they will. And um, I think that the Braves probably pose the uh, biggest threat to us at this time, but they, uh, they, they've been having some troubles of their own. So I, I think we'll be in a good place, even though we have Hap going for one of those. 
Yeah, it's a huge schedule break. They, I don't know who did. I mean, obviously, they didn't have much time to put these shortened schedules together. Somehow, the Yankees are home minus those two days in Atlanta for the rest of the month of August. It's yeah. currently August 10th. So that's a, a large chunk of time spent in their own quarters because the only road games are the two-game Atlanta series. And then the Mets, who, you know, you can stay in your own house. You can have a great time. You can go to an empty city field and try to make it your personal playground. Uh, as long as the Yankees during their two days in Atlanta don't try the Lou Williams Magic City wings, I think they're going to theoretically <laughs> be fine. Um, but it, it's, yeah, the comforts of home are, are, are paramount at this time of year. At this time of year, we're talking like it's a pennant run when it's, you know, a 10-6 season. Bottom line, the Yankees can't feel good about dropping three or four in Tampa. It seems like Tampa finds a way to make that happen no matter how things lined up. If the starters were worse, if it was Ryan Yarbrough and, you know, Trevor Richards starting those games, somehow I think they probably still would have won three or four. It's not the, it's a disaster. It was horrible to watch. It's not the most disastrous thing that ever happened. I still, you can't help but believe in this team. And the fact remains they are 10 and six. It's not a record that's going to blow you away, but all you have to do is win the division. Tampa's still two games back after that series. Yankees couldn't have gotten swept. They didn't. They managed to win one kind of going away. All you have to do in these sort of impossible series where nothing is going your way is hold serve. A split would have been great. It was pretty embarrassing for Paxton to get emasculated like that at the end of the game. Not his fault. I don't blame him at all. He looked picture perfect through six. We're talking about when to pull, when not to pull. I personally would have taken him out after the first home run. It's still a tough game to win. You got a lot of rivers to cross. Adovino can't come in. So then you're going to have to patch together the 7th, 8th, and ninth with Holder, Britton, and Sessa, and Loisaga, I guess, maybe. Um, Chad Green, it felt like they were also kind of staying away from, for you know reasons unknown. I feel like, you know, you take your chances at 3-2. Odds are pretty low. You win that game anyway at that point, honestly, without producing some more runs. Mentally, I was sort of saying to myself, they're not going to win this game one nothing. They kept stranding dudes on base. It was mm-hmm. just one for Paxton forever. They get the two cheap runs on the error. Then the only other run they scored in the game was a base loaded hit by pitch. Three could have been enough, but it didn't need to be enough. The problem with yesterday's game wasn't that Paxton allowed a couple home runs and only three runs in, six, in the third innings or that the bullpen gave up one run on a Michael Perez single. The problem was that it wasn't 12-3 Yankees when Paxton left the game because they were facing the dregs of the Rays bullpen, like we said, and they were putting guys on base every inning, like we said, and then finding creative ways to not score. Fly balls, but too short to bring home the run. Check swing, dribbler, double play balls for Mike Ford, whose first game in the DH spot did not go well. Um, and it's just, you know, you're, you're not going to see a series like that again unless you go back to Tampa, in which case the exact same things are most likely to happen. Um, now, we should probably talk about the DH spot a little bit. Uh, without Giancarlo Stin, who's now on the shelf for at least the 10 days of the IL stint, they're going to have to do something with the DH spot. Uh, it seems like a clear and perfect and obvious opportunity to bring Clint Frazier in, who the team has repeatedly said, you know, not what we want, but he's probably not going to be able to get a chance without an injury to one of our, ma- our big guys. We don't want it to be that way, but that's the way it is. And then here's an injury to one of the big guys. Clint's major competitor for these at-bats, Miguel Andujar, was just demoted for not being able to find his footing with inconsistent at-bats. He doesn't look major league ready. Uh, and of course, on Sunday at the Trop, they call up Tyro Estrada instead, promising they're going to do some shifting with the DH spot this week. I mean, 
are we going to get a chance for Clint? Are we going to get Andujar? Is it going to be Ford as the permanent DH? What, what do you think we're about to see here? I'm thinking that they're going to, it's just going to be a mishmash. They're going to move. It's going to be Ford. It's going to be Gardner. It's going to be Hicks. And there's just going to be a rotation in the outfield with Talkman probably getting more reps out there. Um, I'd like to see Frazier. I think this is, this is the perfect time to call him up. Stanton once again goes down. Uh, very unfortunate, but I mean, we knew it was, we knew something was going to happen in terms of an injury, a going to Tampa and B at some point after kind of the fragmented schedule this team has had since the 27th with the postponements, then going to Baltimore, then going back home, then going to Philly after a postponement, then going down to Tampa. Um, so, but even, even with that, we know that the Yankees are prepared and have the players to step up uh, with with the current crop of players that they have either on the taxi squad or on, on the player pool. Uh, You would think Frazier would be the first guy they call up. Uh, But as you mentioned, um, it didn't really make sense for them to call up Frazier in Florida because why are they going to send him down all the way down to Florida when they're coming all the way back home and they already have Estrada on the taxi squad. So maybe Frazier gets called up and we could see him get regular DH at bats because I will be very upset if we're seeing regular DH at bats from Brett Gardner and Gary Sanchez. I don't know how you feel about that, but if that's what's going to happen, I, I, I'm against it. Well, Gary Sanchez at this point should... Listen up, Ohio, because this is a test from Pepsi. If you call C-Bus C-Town, you're not from Ohio. If you don't know the Blue Jackets actually have a fifth line, you're not from Ohio. And if you don't know what to say when someone yells O-H, you're not from Ohio. We know this because at Pepsi, we are from Ohio. In fact, we bottle ice-cold Pepsi right here in C-Bus. So when you're thirsty for something that says you're from here and proud of it, grab a Pepsi. And say here's to OHIO, where Pepsi and life are oh so refreshing. Probably just be a designated fielder. He seems to have improved his fielding immensely and his hitting is now, you know, below Eric Kratz level. Um, <laughs> so if we're gonna if we're gonna take one half of Gary's game away at this point, it should probably be the bat, not the glove. I I would love to see Frazier. Once again, they are 10 and 6. Clint Frazier is a starting caliber major league baseball player. Probably an all-star level Major League Baseball player, at least with the bat as an outfielder. He's still got deficiencies, though I can't even promise you he's still underwhelming. It's, it's been well over a year since we've seen him play regularly in the outfield. I don't even know what he looks like. But what I can assure you is that his bat is big league ready. Whenever he's gotten a chance to play for the Yankees over the past two years, not only has he delivered, not only has he been you know, an adequate performer, he's often carried them throughout troublesome you know, weeks and, and even a month or so. He hit in the high 300s with runners in scoring position last 362. year. 362. Yep. He, with a 1.198 OP, uh, 1. OPS. 28 of his 38 RBIs last year came with runners in scoring position. Yep. Numerous clutch hits. He puts the bat on the ball. He makes contact because of his whip bat speed. Like, you know, he's perfectly suited to those situations and he's full of himself and he knows he's a great hitter and he's, you know, he's the kind of guy who thrives in pressure situations. And we keep giving him pressure situations for week and a half, two week periods, and then taking them away. It's not fair to Clint Frazier. It would mess with my confidence. It, it doesn't seem to have messed with his confidence because he's a uniquely confident individual and that's great. But in a 60-game season that could get shut down at any moment, I, I can't guarantee you the season makes it to the end. I, they should probably start talking about a postseason bubble now. We can talk about consequences all we want. You know, we're nervous about the Yankees. We're talking about standings. But the fact remains, this is the weirdest season we'll ever see. There has never been a clearer opportunity to test Clint Frazier out. First-place team with a gap at the position he's best suited to. 
He doesn't have to start every day. He can also play left field and talk and he can play right on days with judge DHs. I mean, there are plenty of things you can do to use Frazier and rest your stars. Um, I see no reason not to bring him up. And if they bring up Andujar right after deciding he wasn't strong enough or ready for big league reps right now, then that's going to disappoint me too. Cause he proved to me, he's not ready. Love the guy. You know, he's also bat first and the bat wasn't there. So I'm not yeah. sure what using Andujar helps with at this moment. Uh, get him regular reps in Scranton. If he starts driving the ball like he was during the preseason, that's great. But right now I, I just watched that and it didn't work. So either use it to rotate your guys and keep them healthy or bring Frazier in for a semi-regular appearance. Yeah. In short, you know, complain about Frazier's defense all you want. The only way the guy's going to improve is if he gets reps on defense. What, what is he doing at the alternate site? He already, he tore the cover off the ball in spring training. He came back in summer camp and he looked great. The only way that his defense is going to improve is if he's getting real game time against the best opponents. We saw what Andujar did with that time, and he wasn't good. Like you said, love the guy. I, I wish I wish this wasn't the case with him. It's very unfortunate turn of events that he got injured last year after that amazing rookie season, and now he's kind of limping forward because of Urshela taking his spot at third, and now he's trying to find this pr- fragmented playing time between the outfield and first base or whatever it is, but... Frazier has a spot. He is an outfielder. He has a very good bat. Yes, Frazier needs to improve upon his strikeout numbers and getting on base. He doesn't have a particularly high on base percentage in 123 career games. It's only a, a 308. Um, but that will come with time. He, like, like we said, very minimal experience, uh, inconsistent playing time for the most part. But last year, 69 games, batted 267. 12 bombs, 38 RBIs, and a lot of that production came with runners in scoring position when the Yankees needed it most, and that's what this team is going to need right now. They're losing Stanton, who got off to a great start, um, looked like he was returning to form, and now we're back at square one, so we need a guy who can inject a little bit of life into this lineup beyond that, and that guy is Clint Frazier. I think that's that's pretty much all we have to say about that. Yep, that's it. Uh, and if you're going to call it Dario Estrada, he better be your regular DH. Because uh, otherwise, <laughs> I don't really know what the point of that was. We, we already saw them try the Estrada thing, and they couldn't decide between him and Tyler Wade, supposedly. But then guess what? Tyler Wade gets every at-bat, and Tyler Wade gets every late-inning defensive sub. And Estrada basically doesn't play for, for 10 days, two weeks, and then gets to go to the alternate site. So we love the guy. Hopefully that was just like a taxi squad move, and they make a smarter move in the coming hours. Uh, I guess we will see. Um, other than that, I mean, you, you have to be encouraged by what you saw from Paxton and Tanaka. It's hard not to be. Paxton's at 93.9. He's touching, you know, the 94 area. It's not 96, 97, but it's not 91, 92. Some sort of cutter, curve, slurve, slider, mix thing that he doesn't usually throw that often was really keeping the batters off balance. Tanaka was Tanaka for as limited as he was in his pitch count. He matched Snell in the bullpen zeros for zeros. You know, things we wanted to see in that series, it kind of boils down to Paxton looking competent. He looked beyond competent. Tanaka looking back to normal, he absolutely did. And the Yankees getting a split, and they were a couple of pitches away from doing that. It's depressing they didn't, but the series looked about, you know, a low expectations Yankee fan entering that series got basically all they wanted except for the wins. Unfortunately, the wins are what exist in the standings. Um now, that's enough for rhapsodizing about the team that should be better than it is. Let's briefly touch on the other fun thing that we had this weekend, which was uh, the Astros and A's once again breaking social distancing protocols and throwing each other to the turf. This time it was an Astros coach asking Ramon Laureano to come fight him. Then when it came time to fight Ramon Laureano, who obliged, he ducked into the dugout, let his teammates do his bidding for him. Alex and Trone, we see you. 
Thomas, what do you think about the Joe Kelly suspension and then everything that we saw on Sunday? I think this is Rob Manfred's last and final chance to do good by the fans and the players by disciplining the Astros. Yes, at this point, because we don't live in a lawless society, Ramon Laureano is going to get the, the the bigger suspension here um, solely because whether, you know, Alex Intron said something about his mother. That's, that's the uh, rumor going around right now. Um, he started the violence. He incited the brawl from a physical standpoint. So, you know, there's not much you can do. The, the evidence is right there. But Cintron and, in my opinion, Martin Maldonado need to be punished as badly as Loriano is because a coach should not be yelling at a player from the dugout. All these people are saying, oh, Loriano's yelling at the dugout. He was walking up the first baseline. He was talking trash to uh, Umberto Castellanos, who, by the way, that was the second time he hit him in this series. And both times it was – it wasn't like – it wasn't anything that seemed, I mean, it did seem like it was on purpose, but it wasn't like he didn't get grazed either time. He got plunked both times. Um, Not saying it was on purpose, but when we dig into more of the statistics here, five A's batters were hit in this four game series. Zero Houston batters were hit in this series. Uh, Oakland mopped the floor with the Astros, swept them in a four game set. uh, Jose Altuve forgot how to play defense they were reeling from every aspect you could possibly think of. They couldn't find a guru offensively. They were making errors left and right on defense. So this team was rattled, and they were. it seemed like they were looking to let out some frustration. And that's what I can gather from this. But once again, I think a coach doing this is classless. Um, you see him motioning toward Loriano to say, you know, come get some. And he got what he wanted. Loriano ran there full speed and did not hesitate. He pulled in Amir Garrett and was about to take on the entire dugout. Um, but also Maldonado, you could see if you watch uh, the numerous replays and slow motions of this, is getting super physical with a lot of players who are just coming over to, you know, kind of circling around, trying to make, to kind of diffuse the situation. He is shoving ace player after ace player with his equipment on and like throwing hands, throwing his body, body into people. That is that is another, that is the the second layer of inciting this this physical altercation that he should certainly be in trouble for. And not only that, he got right in Loriano's face right after Loriano was hit by the pitch. Loriano didn't even make a motion towards the mound. He was just saying something to Castellanos and Maldonado immediately got to him and you could see him jawing in his face. Uh, so I think that that should certainly not go unpunished. Um, and lastly, Dusty Baker's got to take something here. You're the manager of the team. The The team's behavior is a reflection of how you're running things. And this is just unacceptable at this point the A's did nothing to provoke this uh seemingly you guys were mad about something and wanted to stoke the fire and you got what you wanted you know it kind of overshadowed the A's uh I think MLB best record and four game sweep of the Houston Astros and now we're talking about this shit and it's a shame because um if we don't get the right punishment here from the Astros uh from the Astros standpoint people are going to be super mad yeah. And, you know, we won't, you know, we're going to get, you know, I bet this time Manfred is smart enough to even out the punishment where Loriano gets five and the, and the Astros bench coach gets five and Maldonado gets five, but then guess what? The, the A's lose their best player and the Astros lose a bench coach, which in previous Astros administrations was incredibly important because Alex Cora led a sign stealing scheme. But in this, this administration doesn't matter quite as much. I actually think Centron's a hitting coach, but point coach, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, but point stands just doesn't matter. The Astros are going to lose someone who's completely ineffectual to the game, and the A's are going to lose their best player for a long stretch. Uh, so congratulations, Rob Manfred. You got what you wanted again. Um, but any Yankee fan who's sort of upset by the weekend series, you know, you want to win an extra game or two, or you're bummed that you have an off day on Monday, I recommend watch the complete highlights of that Astros A series. It's a masterclass. Jose Altuve looks like he got space jammed, throwing <laughs> balls into right field. He's not even close to the same baseball player he was. One of the Astros fouls a ball off of their junk. It's, it, it could not have gone better if you're an Astros hater. And uh, the Astros and the Red Sox both enter play on Monday 6 and 9, which is a huge shame and is frankly something that I personally don't like to see. In fact, I hate to see it, but I do get to see it anyway, so I guess I'll live with that. Uh, the Rays and Red Sox also face each other in a four-game set this week while we have two days off and have the Braves just twice. So that's another pretty big one. Uh, the Red Sox do not get a day off and come right into a four-game set with us this weekend. Not ideal circumstances for the Red Sox or Rays. Hopefully the two teams beat each other up a little bit. That is just about it for us. Uh, tough weekend in Yankee land, a lot of positives, and I would recommend not dwelling on it too much. You can catch us twice more this week on the Yanks Go Yard podcast, dropping episodes on Wednesday and Friday. Go to Apple Podcasts, drop us a five-star review. Like we said, we need your reviews. We eat your reviews for energy, and we want them for the next few times we host an episode so that we can read some of your questions on air. Please drop us mailbag questions. Give Thomas and I topics to debate. We want to come after each other. We're, we're fans. We're Yankee fans. We're mostly in agreement, but we still want to go ham against each other every so often. So please drop us any topics you want to hear us discuss. Uh, that's it. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinrib. And I'm at Tommy's underscore takes on Twitter. Take care, everybody. See you later this week. Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know, the average oak tree branch can hold 70 pounds. Something you probably do know, your neighbor is building their kid a treehouse. Something you probably don't know, a falling treehouse would take out your whole fence. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.